So this morning's scripture reading is two rather brief passages, one from the Gospel of Luke, and then one from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. And these are texts, scripture, from which, of course, the sermon is based. And the sermon, I'll speak more about this, is a stewardship sermon. It's about generosity. But it also relates to something that's fairly significant, I think, in the life of our congregation. This month, 90 years ago, this sanctuary was dedicated to the glory of God. 90 years ago this month. If you're a guest or visitor, the church is about 133 years old, but, the, but this home that we share, which is our second church building, is, a, is 90 years old this month. And so the hymn that we're going to sing after these scripture texts, I hope you will understand clearly then what that hymn is about and why it was chosen. And perhaps as you sing it, the words will be more deeply meaningful to you as well. From the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. And then Jesus continues a bit later. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then Paul, writing to the church in Corinth in his second letter, was talking about their generosity and how it was used to support others who were in need, people that surely they had never met and will never meet. And Paul wrote, As it is written, God scatters abroad and he gives to the poor, and God's goodness endures forever. God supplies seed to the sower and bread for food and will supply and multiply your gifts for sowing and increase the harvest of your goodness. You will be enriched in every way for your generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God and to others. May these words, which once transformed the disciples' hearts, transform our hearts as well. So before I bless our speaking and our listening, full disclosure, but you're already here. This is a stewardship sermon. And I know some of you are thinking like, oh, no. I mean, I go out in the rain, it's a crummy day, and it's stewardship sermon. I thought Promised Sunday was in a couple of weeks. I could have avoided it then. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. If on the way out you say to me, Rich, every time I come to church, you talk about stewardship and money, I'm going to say to you, well, then you know, you have to come to church more than once a year. <laughs> but in the coming weeks, you'll receive a letter from all of the pastors. It's a letter that will be about stewardship and then, in that letter, you'll have two pledge forms. You'll have one for your time and talents, a precious resource, where we hope to, for you to think deeply as an individual or as a household or a family, to think deeply about how you might use that precious resource of your time and your gifts in the service of God and to our neighbors. And the other pledge form is, yes, for our financial blessings, and we hope that you will prayerfully think about your financial commitment to the church for 2020 as well. 
So not long after you receive that letter in the middle of the month on October 20th, three weeks I think from today, there will be the preliminary budget meeting for 2020 after both services. And then October 27th, the last Sunday of October, is Promise Sunday. We hope that you will bring both of those pledge forms of your time and your talents and your financial blessings and place them into the offering to be brought forward and blessed and for the doxology to be sung over those. And if you aren't able to do it, of course, you may simply mail them in. But so that is the basis with the scripture, the 90th anniversary of the dedication of this church and our upcoming stewardship. So in that spirit, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask your blessing upon the words that are about to be spoken and the ears that hear them. May both, they, they both be heard and offered with humility and grace. This we pray in the name of our living Christ. Amen. Ninety years ago, Ninety years ago, they gathered to dedicate this sanctuary to the glory of God. And I have a hunch. I don't know anybody who was here. No one that I know of is living, even someone who'd be in their mid-90s and came as a child. So I don't know anyone. But I still have a hunch about some of the hearts of those people who gathered 90 years ago. That they had this understanding that maybe the best definition of what it means to be a church, by the way, a definition doesn't come along for another 40 years or so, but the best definition of a church is that we gather to increase our love of God and increase our love of neighbor. Increase our love of God and increase our love of neighbor. I have a sense that they understood that, that day as they dedicated this sanctuary, and that they had a glimpse of that vision. But they also heard about that vision as well from the person who came to preach. He was the esteemed Reverend Dr. Albert Palmer, who was the president of Chicago Theological Seminary. He had also been pastor of the Oak Park Congregational Church, which was a big deal at the time. And he was one of the great princes of the pulpit, as they used to say. So it was a great honor that Dr. Palmer came to preach to the dedication of this sanctuary. But he said some things in his sermon that's in our archives that I have a feeling were perplexing to our spiritual forebears 90 years ago. He began by saying, beautiful place, you've done great work, but you know, he said, there are three reasons you built this sanctuary. And the first one, and I can imagine they were surprised, he said, it isn't for you, it's for your neighbors. Not just your neighbors who might become members here, but for your neighbors, both those who literally live nearby and those who are far away. A church, he said, a sanctuary is built not for us, but for others, those who are beyond these walls. And then he said, and the second reason you built this sanctuary, again, isn't for you, but it's for your children and your youth. He said, this is a place where they will hear the story of God's love for generations to come. That's one that I actually began to think more about a couple of weeks ago. Because imagine that it had to have been this way in, in say, 1927 and 28, as they were beginning the planning and the drawings were being made and they were beginning a capital campaign to fund the sanctuary and they were working and they were dedicated and they were still worshiping a couple blocks over by Grand Avenue School. 
we have to remember that at that time, there were people who were nearing the end of their lives who were giving of themselves for something that they may not even see completed. I mean, think about that. There had to have been old timers back then who looked around and saw the children of the church and thought, I may never see it finished, but I want to be a part of the future of this place. They must have believed that passing the Christian faith on to the next generation is something that is essential to who we are as a church. And so people who maybe never saw the finished product volunteered and gave and worked so that future generations, us, would know the love of God. I find that inspiring. And last, interestingly enough, not first, but last, Dr. Palmer reminded the congregation that they did build this place for the worship of God. And worship we have for 90 years in this space. Lots of you know that I, I like numbers, so I did some math, did some background. Most of those 90 years we've had two services, and it works out that there have been about 9,500 worship services in the life of this church on a Sunday morning. Almost 10,000 worship services. We celebrated, I've looked this up, over 1,100 weddings here. We have remembered in memorials and funerals about 1,500 loved ones. And we've baptized into the Christian faith over 2,000 children. I find that sort of astonishing. But I understand, listen, hey, I get it. There's a downside to that. Almost 10,000 worship services, that means someone has listened to close to 10,000 sermons. Still, we celebrate that for almost a century, our spiritual ancestors, when they dedicated this church for the glory of God, did it with joy. And you know, in just a couple of weeks, promised Sunday, October 27th, we will dedicate our gifts to the ministry of this church in the world. And here's what I hope. I hope that not only will you be prayerful about the giving of your time and talents and your financial blessings, but I hope you'll do it and then give joyfully. Because we too, I think, desire to ensure that God's love will be taught to, experienced, and worshipped by those who follow us. So I do hope we will give gratefully and joyfully of our time and our blessings. Because I believe, and I think you do as well, that what is discovered here is a way of life shaped by following Christ that we will never regret having followed. And so as I look back over our history on this dedication anniversary, I am struck by the points at which people in the history of this church have in a sense stuck out their necks to embrace the future with faith. For instance, why didn't that little family of charter members who started the church in 1887 meeting in a home, why didn't they just keep meeting in someone's living room? That'd be so much simpler and easier. I mean, why vote to become an actual congregational church and hire their first minister, whose letter we have in our archives, and he writes to this church, very first person to serve us. He writes, 
I am honored to become your first pastor. I do not expect a perfect congregation. You should not expect a perfect pastor. And despite our faults and stumbles, we will move together into the future, sharing one another's burdens in Christ. And what a great way to start. They stuck out their neck and became a congregation and a church. Then why, a few years after that, would they build their first church? I mean, they could have just kept meeting on the third floor of what is now the Grand Avenue Community Center, but they didn't. They built a church next to it. And of course, well, they didn't have to then say, maybe we should build a new church in the mid, about 30 years later, in the mid-20s, when they began to plan this sanctuary. And yet they did. They dreamed, and they built, and they put themselves out there because of their faith in God. If you're a new member, you've heard me tell this story, that then in the depths of the Depression, just about four years after this sanctuary is dedicated, the greatest economic catastrophe in our nation's history comes about, and they're plunged in the, they're in the depths of the Depression. Unemployment is 24.9% in our nation. And you know what they did? They didn't have the money to pay the interest even on the loan for this sanctuary. They cut all the, all the um, expenses they could. They were so proud they'd put in a telephone in the new church. They took it out. They removed extra light bulbs. And, and I'm saying, this is only in a time of catastrophe. They cut the minister's salary in half. <laughs> but they also, they also increased their giving for the Christian education of their children and youth. Saying in our annual meeting notes that they are the future of our church, and we cannot cut short our telling of God's love to the world. So they did these things, not imagining even who would follow them. And as I said, some of them probably didn't even see the, well, the beauty of the finished product, but they pushed forward. And you and I are the beneficiaries. But why in all those moments did pe were people willing to stick out their necks for faith? And I think this is it. It's as simple as this. It's because that is what faithfulness requires, and that is what God inspires. So I want you to think about that. As you think about how much time you might be able to give to ministry in God's name in the world through your time and talents pledge. I want you to think about that as you think about your financial commitment as well. Frankly, both of those, both of those are our ways of well, sticking our necks out for the future of faith. And I think that is what faithfulness requires and God inspires. And so with joy, I will ask you to consider mailing in in October or bringing your pledges on Promise Sunday knowing that there is a vision going forward. And you can hear more about or read more about that vision in the letters and also on the um, preliminary budget Sunday on October 20th. 
Well, finally, as I was thinking about all these things and the building of this church and the dedication of it 90 years ago and our upcoming stewardship campaign, I also thought of a couple of times we've had capital campaigns in the life of this church. Don't worry, we're not thinking about one, but we've had a couple in the last 15 years. And when I look back on them, I, rem I now remember what a joy they were to be a part of it. They became campaigns of generosity. And I should have known that that's exactly how they would be, how supportive this congregation would turn out you know those capital campaigns if you were part of them you realize they had some bumps to them there was some pushback people weren't all happy about it but mostly mostly people said to me this is an honor to support and people said I'm not doing this reluctantly I'm not even doing this under compulsion I'm doing this joyfully one of you even said to me I'll never forget I remember that God loves a cheerful giver and so during those campaigns, many of you said it wasn't a duty, it wasn't an obligation, but it was an honor to support God's work in the world. And here's what one of you said that I'll never forget. And it relates to those who built this church. Because the first capital campaign was on the 75th anniversary of this sanctuary. And one of you said, you know, I don't know a single person who built this church 75 years ago. But I can't tell you how grateful I am for who they were and what they did. So how could I do any less for those who follow me? Exactly. Exactly. I think what that person reminds us of is that each and every one of us, each and every one of us, no matter how much we think we've sort of made it on our own, each and every one of us warms ourselves at fires that we did not build. We drink from wells that we did not dig. And in stewardship campaigns, we discover that the story of our church is not a story of our past, it's not a story about anniversaries, but it's a story about tomorrow. And that story is always informed by two spiritual qualities, gratitude and generosity. If you think about it, gratitude is simply the knowledge, the acceptance of the reality that all of our gifts, all of our lives are a gift. And that what we have, all that we are, and even what we strive to become, is a gift from God. And gratitude is the surest, fastest, and perhaps the truest way to connect to God. And generosity, which goes hand in hand with gratitude. Generosity of our time, generosity of our financial blessings. Generosity, in the end, is simply gratitude in action. Generosity is holding with open hands the many gifts that have been entrusted to us. Because as we give, if you think about it, as we give, we grow in our ability to trust God, who is the giver of all of our gifts. And so gratitude and generosity. I mean, these spiritual disciplines guided this congregation 90 years ago. And this year, and every year, we hope to continue to build that fire a little brighter and dig that well a little deeper. Dr. Palmer said to this congregation, you don't build for yourselves, you don't give for yourselves, you give for your neighbors. You, you build for the youth and children in your midst and beyond your walls. And you build 
for the worship of God. So in advance, in this stewardship sermon, I wish to say thank you. Thank you for the support of this home we all share and your support of its ministries to the world. And may your gifts be given with profound gratitude. Amen.